Last week on the Glass Cannon Podcast. Do you see, giant? You see what evil has brought you? Only death! An attempt to outflank their opponents. Well, here's the thing. You don't have to open the door, because right when you dimension door there... Oh, shit. The other cloud giant had moved to that door and opened it on his turn. And he's standing there right now. Oh, (laughs) God! Left the heroes vulnerable. Natural one. (gasps) Natty 17. Oh, my God. Wow. All right, and a uh, natural one on the confirmed. Oh, my God. Oh, no. That's the worst possible result. <laughs> but they quickly rallied and won the day. Metra is going to take a five-foot step, grab Nestor's arm, <laughs> and dimension Doris onto the table. <laughs> Only to make a mysterious discovery in the next room. Because atop the table, you see a faintly luminous glass globe. The adventure continues now. Sometime in the next hour plus, the march to 300 will come to an end. Can't believe it. I can't believe it. Sometimes when you touch. <laughs> That's right, folks. Dan Hill will be here to celebrate episode 300. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Hill. Butcher of Toronto himself <laughs> will be here to, with the new Glass Cannon theme song. I didn't realize he was up for parole. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's one of the terms. That's one of the terms of his parole. He has to perform for us. We're the, for we're the first hour of his community service. Right. <laughs> oh, man. 300 episodes, even more when you count all the multiple parters. Uh, a feat so large. Um, one of the largest companies in the world can't handle it. <laughs> We're the only serialized podcast to go that long. No, we bitched about that last week and uh, or two weeks ago. Hopefully, we've fixed it by now. I don't know. This is coming from the past, but uh, wow, it's crazy, Matthew. I know you're not one to celebrate um, milestones that everyone else gets excited about or anything that I most people find joyful. Your own birthday. Yes, I don't particularly celebrate my birthday. You don't really. Ugh, who? T- what happened to you in life that you like have no interest in celebrating your own birthday? I just don't particularly. It makes me feel uncomfortable being honored for something I didn't really do. What? I call my mother you and li- I thank her do for the work realize, she did that day. Do you realize the staggering <laughs> impossibility of your life existing? The like staggering- of you being you happens one time ever and will never happen again. In the history of the universe. And you don't want to celebrate that? That I continue to be me every day is a staggering miracle. (laughs) Statistically, (laughs) the population of the universe is zero. 
<laughs> exactly. exactly. So the Douglas Adams, there are an infinite number of planets, or an infinite number of worlds, black, ahead of a blackboard right now. Infinite space, and there are, by def- definition, a finite number of inhabited worlds with life on them. So infinity divided by any other number is that's an insignificant number. There are no people anywhere in the universe, <laughs> and yet somehow you exist. You exist too. And I know that's why I celebrate my birthday. Exactly. <laughs> every single, and I'm stealing now from Bill Bryson, I don't have it quoted right, but every single one of your ancestors, every one, not a single one of them, had sex. Got diseased, got <laughs> eaten by an animal, was killed in a war, was super ugly, was super ugly, was super unattractive uh, uh, until they had a kid. That's thousands and thousands of them going back. Thousands and thousands of years. Back to like little shrew like mammals to darting around, avoiding the, the foot stomps of dinosaurs. Not one of them died before they procreated. And do you know how many people die before they procreate? It is tragic, Matthew. You seem to be suggesting that I don't appreciate life, and I most certainly do. I just don't see what your argument is. You just don't appreciate your life. Your birthday October provides 30th. an occasion for you to. Appreciate all of the above. I just see Matthew's smug, satisfied face on his deathbed, <laughs> his last few moments on earth, and just like peace cross across his face as he descends into death and thinks, I never overdid it on my birthday. <laughs> uh, the one regret I, no, yeah, the one thing I don't regret is never celebrating my birthday. <laughs> I mean, it's I like, I don't pretend it doesn't exist. Like, if, if, if we like, my parents will be like, you want to go out to dinner? We go out to dinner. Like, Caitlin and I will sometimes like, Open a bottle of wine or something, but oh my God. but I don't. But it, I I I I just don't see the I don't I don't see the need for me to to celebrate life, and I do I do respect the like vast statistical miracle that is my existence on one particular day of my birth. You talk- why can't it be? The day oh my God! Now okay. you're going to make it the milestone argument again. It could be any day I could celebrate it. Are you going to pick a day? day? Every day we should celebrate. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. Why? (laughs) You have to just pick one. Why? And you know what? What? Might as well be your birthday. Your birthday, Skid. Well, it's it's your birthday. That's your. It's a day after your birthday. It just it it strikes me as weirdly. It just strikes me as as very self-involved. Do you want to share a birthday? No, I don't need to have a birthday celebration. <laughs> just pick another date if that'll make you happy. <laughs> it must be so exhausting it's not. to be you. <laughs> you to have to come up with all these regulations. No, it's not. not you know, for everything to he, let everybody know. He's hey. avo- it's not. He's not exhausted because he's avoiding all the regulations. <laughs> it's true. I think putting he's like up- a tax dodge. It's, he, you are the living embodiment of like a bank account in the Cayman Islands. You're just avoiding like all these like regulations and responsibilities of the rest of us. He's a walking with. tax loophole. This like exactly. nothing. This whole persona. God. Sounds <laughs> exhausting. <laughs> it's not. It's exhausting to us, not to him. I, I bet exhausted. you it is. Because I think behind closed doors, once you're on a porn site, just go into town with yourself. You're like, they believe everything I said. <laughs> I thought you were going to say They believe everything I, start, no. I celebrate my birthday like this <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say I go to, I go to a porn site 
<laughs> I thought you were going to say I go to a porn site and watch everything connected to October 30th. <laughs> yeah. I only watch videos that came Where's out Where's the October 30th, 30th themed section? <laughs> let's let, hold on. Let, besides the, the general neuroses around this, uh, let's dig in a little bit deeper. I have plenty Can you, of neuroses. When you were eight years <laughs> old, when you were eight years old, were you excited about your birthday? Yeah. When you were nine? Yeah. Ten? And then I grew up. Right at what point? No, yeah. at what was that age? When oh, you so quote unquote at a certain up. age, he realized he learned that birthday clause isn't real. Did you look forward to your twenty-first birthday? <laughs> uh, I don't really. I can't even sit next to you. I'm fucking. Out there was, here. I was. I went to school in New York City. There was quite literally no barrier to me drinking. We went to bars, but like there was no. I never had any trouble acquiring alcohol. So you were you breaking know, the law. You know what you are. Yeah, you know what you are. You know some people. Uh, they like find religion and then they just they're insufferable and weird. And it's like, where were you uh, forever when uh, everyone else was religion? And now you're Mister and Mrs. Religion. You're the opposite. You found this, and you're just <laughs> this. <laughs> this hatred for all customs and numbers. I have no. I have literally zero problem with any of you celebrating your own birthdays. In fact, I will come and celebrate your birthdays with you. You've have, done that on many occasions. I've done it on many occasions. So why is that? Why is that so exhausting to you? You're never allowed to be near me for a birthday ever. <laughs> Because you might get infected with hating your own birthday. And from now on, we will it. only celebrate your death. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I'm going to bring a big cake <laughs> and shove it on yeah. your Yeah, exactly. Just bring a big cake and be like, he doesn't have to worry about another birthday coming up. Well, we know how he hates it's those. It's a lovely thought, but there's no way any of us outlive Matthew. Yeah, that's certainly true. I think he's the first to Matthew go. Is going, <laughs> Matthew is going to dance on all of our graves. <laughs> I'm too old. Oh. Uh, the re- well, Grant. Grant is, Grant is, dis- Grant is suspiciously quiet because he's like, "I'm going down." He the might, he, yeah. Grant and Matthew will be wrestling each other in, into the coffin. But yes, I we, think. I think Matthew and I are going to start like a senior citizens like Tai Chi jogging group in our 80s. It'll be great. We'll, we'll find we'll find a replacement GM for when Troy Troy inevitably kicks it. To, to DM for us in uh, in uh, in our in the- <laughs> oh man, and we'll be like, wow, you can you can perform the duties of being a GM without being hateful, <laughs> even even at the ripe old age of eighty seven. Do, yeah. do you see why I hate it? Because <laughs> the world is full of use. It's all use. It's all use. Do you think you live longer or shorter? When you drink Corona Premier, <laughs> you had to guess. Then what if you drink Corona? Yeah, it's Corona with just more alcohol. Yeah. I guess our buddy Dave Woody was over here. For <laughs> it's fortified draft. Corona. It's yeah. for apparently it's fortified Corona. Yeah, it's a stronger Corona, just like Bud Light Platinum, which he was way into. He <laughs> called it BL Numbs. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> like they were uh, numbs for him? Well, you know, because it was Come a play on, on platinum uh, and also it, yeah, numbed him to feelings of sadness. This is a joke. Do you mind grabbing some BL numbs on the way over? <laughs> See, now, th- now we should leave Matthew alone. Dave Woody is who we should be. Yeah, directing this is another project. <laughs> for shit like that. But Dave Woody celebrates his birthday. 
It's true. That's true. It's true. Oh, it's man, a real dude. conundrum. I really it just, lo- I love a guy that celebrates his birthday. I love my birthday. Yeah. Well, me too. It's a special birthday. day. I'm happy to celebrate all of your birthdays. I, I'm Matthew's, happy to have you there. Matthew's just giving you the side eye. He's letting you know you should celebrate those birthday with all those Corona premieres. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Each one is more precious than I'll, one of mine. I'm going to show up to your next birthday with a case of BL Numbs. <laughs> <laughs> Get drinking, bread boy. <laughs> I'm just imagining giving Dave Woody a case of BL numbs for his birthday and seeing a single tear roll down his cheek in appreciation. Oh god, we used to have a whole bit about like uh, what the commercial is for BL numbs. <laughs> yeah, it's just like horrible, like showing horrible people in nightclubs doing horrible things. <laughs> Tough day at work and hate your wife. <laughs> Try a BL numb. <laughs> Take the sting out. It's like a sloppy steaks kind of moment. <laughs> well, you're not going to take away our joy, Matthew. You may steal joy like a joy thief for the past six years, but you will Did you not feel take a particular joy kind away. of joy on the day of my birthday? Like where you were like, boy, I would really like to feel joy because Matthew was born, but because he feels uncomfortable being at the center of this attention, I now am hurt. By I this. think I think we feel like I feel like maybe it's just like Matthew Matthew's in on something secret and he he's making us feel guilty about enjoying our birthdays. Yes, that's what it is. It's you you exude an aura of judgment, mm-hmm. uh, almost like a uh, like a, a what it's, are you, it's an inquisitor even... that just like radiates out from you. That's yeah. just like you, everyone else should really think about what you prioritize. And it's not like, like maybe you right. shouldn't be so happy. About your birthday when you're an adult. It's Everyone s- listening to this podcast, you should feel stupid too. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. That's not, and I know, like, I think that's it's called it, projection. It, but yeah, it's not that you, you're actively doing. It's just, it's happened for me, it's happening on a subconscious level. It's just like, am I, a, am I a child for, for loving my birthday? Right. Yeah. Well, I think for, for both of us, yet, I think there's a bit of that, uh, I mean, we were just raised with a, a relentless sense of guilt for anything we yeah, yeah, had yeah. any pleasure in at all. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so when somebody else comes along and it's like, oh, by the way, birthdays too. If you do that, if you celebrate that, you're a real selfish jerk. Yeah. Right. <sighs> and it's not, you know, and he's not saying that. No, but, then but, it's, we but that's have this we have this natural hear, reaction. That's what we hear in our Catholic brains. Because <laughs> that's what he's saying. Well, <laughs> he'll never admit to it, but that's what he's not, saying. I, again, I have and will continue to celebrate all of your birthdays. Does Caitlin want to celebrate? celebrate her birthday? Does she get yeah. excited? Yeah. And you, do you make a big fuss? Yeah, good. yeah. Does she then not make a big fuss at your birthday? Do you not get a lot of gifts or anything like that? No, she, she gives me a gift. She tries. To, she, she, I think she reacts with the same incomprehensibility that you are reacting. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you. That's, That's all, all I wanted, I wanted to, know. to know. I'm so fine. Now. Person, now we can move on. The person that <laughs> understands you better than anyone else in the world also is just totally befuddled by your joy siphon. That is a massive, that is such a sigh of relief for me. I have plenty of other sources of joy that don't, ex- that don't connect to my journey down the birth canal. He likes Solaris. <laughs> You know, likes watching Solaris we were, YouTube videos. He likes watching Solaris YouTube videos. <laughs> like we're just talking about you it. You talk about Solaris. Uh, yeah, that's fun. That's that's a good substitute for a birthday. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it's I will spend way more hours in my life probably playing Solaris for the next couple then, of years than celebrating a yeah than celebrating of all course. my combined birthday. Well, that's more more joy. That's a more total joy. There you go. By the way, I hadn't put it together in my head yet. Like, how what a what a strong dichotomy there is between you and Troy in terms of celebrating birthdays. Like Troy's birthday is a 
huge custom and ritual. I, for, love, I love Troy's for birthday. For many, many, many years, we went to the same restaurant. His name is Bronze. He has a plaque. On the wall of the restaurant. In this restaurant. For going there on his birthday every year. It's true. Right next to, uh, uh, not Bernie Madoff, but uh, yeah. Warren Buffett. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Warren Buffett's it's, his name. His name is literally right next, to Warren, right Buffett next to Warren Buffett at a steakhouse. Is it on a wall? And I got that when I was poor. <laughs> so you're not poor anymore? I'm still pretty poor. Did you, did, is it on the wall or is it on your chair? It's, it's on the, the wall next table to his chair. At Smith and Walensky. It's yeah. at the chef's table. It actually is. Yeah. If you go there, anyone visiting New York, it's a great restaurant. Go check out. Look at uh, Troy's and Warren Buffett's names. So you just I had bought, to ask. You just bought that? I had to ask. <laughs> no. Yeah, they I, didn't like offer it. I just, I was a, a regular customer on my birthday every single year and I would bring, bring a big group. I would request the chef's table. We'd sit around and we'd have the best meal and night of our lives. Uh, and I became friendly with the waiters there. At a certain point, I was like, hey, what are you going to do to get a plaque? And he's like, what a plaque? You know what? Next year there'll be a plaque. Did that? And there was. <laughs> wow, that, that's amazing. Did that drive your need to become famous enough to be to immediately Googleable so someone who sees your plaque at Smith and Walensky's won't be disappointed when they Google you? Would be nice, right? Someone says, "Who's this uh, Warren Buffett?" <laughs> oh, oh, it's a guy. This guy wrote Mar- Margaritaville. Who's this other guy? <laughs> Matthew, next week is an important week. It's episode three hundred. No, I'll and be there. The only no, no. This is what I was going to say. I don't want you to come. <laughs> you know what, Matthew? Take a week off. Take a week off. <laughs> okay. You get the week off. Um, and I'll whatever. Ha- don't birthday. threaten him with a good time. Whatever happens to your character happens while you're away. <laughs> Let your understudies stretch their legs a little bit. Yeah, we do need understudies. We do. Well, you you're not going to steal joy from me today because I am excited <laughs> about this episode. I think it's going to be fun and joyful, and it's gonna it's gonna lead into uh, one of the biggest episodes we've ever done. Uh, and even as we sit down to record this today, I'm still not 100 percent sure what episode 300 is going to entail. I've been making lists upon lists upon lists of uh, dangling storylines that need to to find some sort of resolution and. You know, a lot of times as we approach these these milestone eps, I have an idea of uh, of where I want it to go. I, even as we sit down today, I know you're not going to believe me. I don't know how this episode ends. I don't know how it ends in a way that because I'd like people to listen to this and be really fired up for 300, and I don't know. You know, I, I have lots of different thoughts and lots of different ideas, and and even as it comes out, you'd be like, ah, that was scripted. You'd be surprised how very little is scripted uh, back here. It's just improvised and uh, on on the spur of the moment. And that's what I've really liked about everything that we've done that hasn't been in the adventure path. You know, I see people bitch and moan about uh, the brander on, on like the, the dumb Discord, not the good Discord. Uh, or, and I see people <laughs> complain about it on the subreddit too, but they tend to be the worst. Uh, and it's Wait, what are they complaining about? Yeah, they, complain about brand. Brand? Yeah, they don't like the Brander storyline and stuff like that. And that's fine. I, I don't uh, I don't take it personally. Why would you like Clearly it? It's terrible. Not. Yeah, it's not. It's, uh, <laughs> I love the Brander storyline. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I think if I would poll all of you, I would get very differing results. I think some people like it, some people don't. Some people... The five of us? Uh, yeah, the five of you. Different results? Yeah, I think I think everyone is kind of uh, up and down. And But I'm not I'm not here to poll you. What I What is interesting to me is that... <laughs> <laughs> we all started, we all started like gauging everyone's smoke And then eventually all our eyes went to Grant and he just made like the Metsu Metsu yeah, yeah. He gave a little, uh, give or take. <laughs> but like, what is exciting? It's a little opaque. <laughs> what is exciting to me is that 
we've done something with this adventure path, a pre-written adventure path that, that I think is, is really unique. And I don't want uh, us to come off too egotistical when I say this, even though I'm the one saying it. It's like, I think we've inspired a lot of people uh, in the way that we handle pre-written material by adding this extra layer. And for me, as someone who like always wanted to write screenplays, and I mean, I've got I have more half-finished pilots and screenplays than I ever had anything finished, I mean, by miles. I never wrote anything because it had to be perfect. With the Brander stuff and and the stuff that we've added to this adventure path, so much of it has been improvised in the moment. And even scripts and stuff that were half-scripted stuff I wrote the day of or the night before. So for me, it's just very exciting because I'm as excited to see how this story is going to end with everything that you guys bring to it as I am excited to see, like, what's going to come out in the moment, what you guys make me kind of lead me to 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 do as we wrap up this story so i don't know i'm excited uh to see where where today's episode goes and especially next week and 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 obviously the end of this as well because i've been thinking a lot about it i just haven't been committing a lot of it to paper because i don't know my style has changed a lot in the past six years uh in the way that i prepare so i'm more excited to discover it with you but last week, you uh, finished that battle with the Cloud Giants, and then Metro went on yet another uh, ethereal exploratory mission through the upper levels. Now, you've gone to uh, a level one up from here, um, which you would assume is the level uh, where the Fire Giants were, uh, the, the Ash Peak Giants. But it was a room that was surrounded on five sides by clouds. You just felt like you were in open air. You did, however, see uh, at the end of this open air area, a passageway to the north leading to a door and then a long staircase leading up. So you took that staircase up and you went to a fourth floor, uh, fifth, if you're not, if you're uh, counting the ground floor as uh, floor one and not floor zero. <clears throat> and up here, there was this tiny little bell that got you all excited. Uh, it over, there's an arrow loop that looked down <laughs> on the hanging gardens below, which you now figure you can access through the doorways to the south of the entrance chamber, which Metra saw on her first ethereal jaunt through this area. And then you walked down a long walkway, went up a, a little circular staircase, and another long walkway led to what looked like a stable for giant birds, maybe? Two long poles leading up to a half uh, portion on another level, which would be like a, a sixth level, or no, a fifth, a fifth floor uh, or sixth level, if you don't count the engine level, and uh, and that had these giant saddles and whatnot. So you're like, I got to get out of here, and so you zip back down, you rest, you come back to the second floor, and you open a door into an old meeting room maybe where the heads of Zephyr Hall would sit and discuss their plans. And atop this table is a globe. It's about five feet wide, five feet in diameter. It's a big globe. Big globe. That's a huge globe. Can I just say, by the way, <clears throat> that if the ethereal jaunts, a lot of stuff in this game, but the ethereal jaunts in particular bring me a lot of joy. I'm glad. I'm glad they do. I think they cause you a considerable amount of stress, and I'd be lying if that didn't. I think that to adds joy. to your joy. <laughs> Accentuate yes. the joy. I'd be lying if. Joy. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, you've got to see things that a lot earlier than I thought you would um, because of this uh, ethereal cloak. 
What do you want to do here? I said to you last week, if you want to examine this globe, you're going to have to climb up on top of the table. Because these are, uh, this is a table and chairs built for 18 to 21 foot tall giants. There's a door leading uh, to the east. And that's all you see in this room. Can I detect magic on the globe first? You certainly do detect magic and an aura of strong divination magic. God, I suspected it was just a mundane five foot glowing globe. (laughs) I want to know what kind. I want to know what kind of aura. Well, I'm certainly curious. Nestor's not. I don't think Nestor cares, but uh, but I'm I'm curious. Skidster cares. Uh, I would like to first hold on. Wait a moment. He's going to trot up and detect evil. Hold out his hand up to this crystal ball glass orb and detect evil, see if it's emanating evil. It is not. I'll detect the other alignments on it, if it has an alignment. It doesn't seem to be tied to any specific alignment. Does it seem to be in its rightful place? Like, is the table cut to like allow this globe to sit on it or does it is it just like set on a flat table if you look closely it seems like there is a uh, a little lip in the middle of the table so that the globe can sit in there without rolling off and uh, what's around the outside chairs uh chairs yeah big chairs just like sit around and look at this detect magic wait do i even have that uh Netra just did that oh okay uh, strong divination magic oh that's right, that's right. i'll sit at the table Right, so you climb up the table. There's no, I'm not gonna make you roll climb checks. You get up there. I'm just, it's more for flavor. You literally have to like climb up. I mean, to the, the seat, chair, lo- the seat's up. probably like nine feet up. Yeah. So I probably have to stand on the chair. Pull yourself, yeah, yeah and then climb up to the table. Does everybody climb to the top of the table? Yeah, uh, Sir Will will dismount Lexington. He's actually like, oh, could use a break from the saddle. And uh, we'll climb up. And you just stare at this globe. And uh, you can't see inside of it? No, it's all... It's opaque. Cloudy, yeah. Can I spellcraft it? Yeah. I'll aid. I'll attempt to aid. I aid. I aid as well. Uh, okay. So that's... 30. Oh, man. Yeah, this might be like... Obviously, it's divination, so somebody could just be looking right through us. Yeah, Baron gets a sinking feeling in his stomach about something looking back through the other side. Behold the sword of Elendil! You spellcraft it, and you think that there is some sort of telepathic nature of it. Like it's it's used to communicate not maybe uh, verbal commands, but but used to communicate feelings. Interesting. Essences, thoughts that aren't completely clear. Um, and you feel like you might be able to activate it with a, a use magic device check. It's like activating a magical item. I'll try that. I'll aid. Anybody else can, anybody else got an aid on that? Oh my God. Natural two. Just succeeded. Oh. Right. <laughs> so I do aid. <laughs> so plus two. Remember, if you fail by 10 or more, there could be consequences. Natty 17 on the die. Nice. Uh, so that's going to be a 32. Submetra walks up to it, places her hand on the globe in order to try and tap into its nascent power. 
a cloud giant sitting at this table could just reach you across the table from yeah, its chair. just touch it. You had to climb to this table. You'd take 1d6 falling damage if you fell off this table. You place your hand on there and just... Her eyes disappear. And you start getting these impressions telepathically in your mind. Just swirling. And the first thing you detect is the presence of several cloud giants still alive in the castle. It's almost like if this was sci-fi, it'd be like blips. Like you can, you don't sense where they are, but you sense their life force in this castle. Cerebro. Cerebro, yeah. Yeah. Half a dozen, a dozen still alive in the castle. You can feel their essence like this was meant to be a, a way that they communicated before the castle fell. So rather than be like, oh, God, I got to take the stairs all the way to the fifth floor, you can just touch here and be like, Steve, are you on six? <laughs> Steve, come on down. I need another you. Corona premiere. <laughs> Steve, did you get the BL numbs? <laughs> but slowly those life essences start to fade and recede to the background. And suddenly you are overwhelmed by this great an ominous power swirling high above the castle. Whoa. These are telepathic impulses, but they feel like they're clouded. You can't quite get a sense. You can't pinpoint what it is or who it is, but it it feels like it's clouded by opposing impulses deep below the castle. And you feel like it is all connected to something someone is wearing and all of a sudden everyone in the room just hears oh it's our buddy oh god harp music oh god oh god you devil big shadow oh god appears on the wall and Renfall materializes just as Metra is shunted back into your space. What is it? What did you see? I see. City in the clouds. So city in the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the orb. It's, it's the, the orb, orb of, of dragons. Of dragons. It's the orb right? of dragons. And all of the four dragons have been, have been dominated by yeah. it. What did you <laughs> see, sorcerer? I saw a city in the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> that was no city! I, I felt the presence of five, six cloud giants still in the castle. A half a dozen to a dozen. Half a dozen to a dozen. Yes! Yes, you have disposed of many, but some still live, and they fight for Volstice. Nalbir and Nalbur as well. Dangerous foes you will have to face. My inside. I saw, I felt the dominated thoughts of creatures flying up high above the castle, controlled by a worn object, the orb of dragon kind, perhaps. Mm, perhaps, or perhaps the cloud diadem that he wears. No doubt that presence you felt was Volstice himself. 
flying high above Zephyr Hall, watching, waiting, and learning, preparing for what I know not. Can he sense our thoughts through this device? I know not what power he possesses, but I do know he knows of you. He has eyes everywhere throughout the hall. And the diadem he wears possesses a peculiar power. For not only can he use it to steer this castle, for it was the diadem that made me of no use to him, but is connected to a great dark power below a dead man's switch. Should Volstice die, the hall will fall. (laughs) Is there a way to disconnect, to separate him from the dead man's switch without activating it? He is so wise and has prepared for everything. What you have told me Your journey to get here. You have fought many under his command. But now he's building an army of powers greater than any you've faced. Yes, starting to remember the spirit Naga. Yes, she works with him as well. She is the one that imprisoned my soul in that chamber of my demise. Spirit Naga? Yes. Yes, she has been watching you as well, no doubt. Learning of your tactics in battle and in spellcasting. Moses will be prepared, even though he assumes you'll Perish before you face him. So, real quick. Yes! <laughs> I don't know how you heard my controller. I get out of my mind. We learned of the dead man switch in episode 271. Yes! I, I listened to that on a plane. Oh, man. <laughs> did you have noise-canceling headphones, Renfall, so you did not have to take in the terrible noise of the Boeing engines? I am a cloud engineer of the highest degree. <laughs> but no, I had airplane headphones. <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible fate. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So sorry for that. Yes. You should know this even in death. The headphones. Not that great. (laughs) (laughs) My deepest condolences. Thank you, sorcerer. (laughs) (laughs) You would think in the afterlife at least you could listen to your favorite tunes. (laughs) Without hearing the chatter of those who don't celebrate birthdays. (laughs) Birthdays. But no. 
No, such is not my fate. Speak on! <laughs> uh, we've just already been acquainted with some of this information, so I'm trying to figure out what to do with this orb now that it's in front of us. Do we cast it in the fire? Destroy it? What do we... Destroy it! Just chuck it out one of the windows. The orb is a danger to the dragons. Not as much to you. Though the dragon you will face as well under his command. And there are others. Oh, yes. I sense more than one dragon here now. Still, I remember looking down as he flew up to this castle atop the mighty dragon. That orb, that orb controls them all. This orb? What orb? Does he hold it in his hand? Yes. Yes. I don't think it ever leaves his side. I can remember when he condemned me to my fate. He caressed it as if it was his child. Huh. When one holds the power of dragons in their hand, they don't put it down. And you think back to when you were fighting Skirkatla in the uh, the trial uh, in front of all of the giants outside of Ashpeak when Volsis came down. He was holding a globe yeah, yeah. in his hand. Yeah. What do you think we do with this this globe right here? Ah, yes. Often I sit here with my companions meetings we would use this to contact other giants throughout the castle oh I would say Steve <laughs> bring Beelnums <laughs> to the party tomorrow night <laughs> <laughs> but we would use it for serious matters as well <laughs> what could be more serious and be on thumbs at the party. True words. Now we spoke. <laughs> As to how it can aid you, I know not. For as you activated the device and felt the presence of these giants, they felt yours as well. Then I am sure the proper fear has been struck into their heart. As they can sense our power coming down upon them. Really? One by one, each of his eyes, as you say, has been closed. Soon, he will not see us coming. I fear, though, for this beautiful place, once a marvel of engineering, not used for such villainous deeds to be needlessly destroyed with Volstice. Come, Renfall. There must be a way you can help us. There must be some way you can search to find a way to disconnect the kill switch. Help us save this place, for Volstice must be destroyed. There is no other way. That I agree with! I will not rest until he falls. I will try to aid you in battle, if I am able. 
What little I can do from the beyond. All my power is yours. I will say this. If the switch is activated, perhaps I can help you to steer it to safety. All we need is the cloud diadem. No? Yes, if you could get the diadem from atop his giant head. We shall draw it from his dead corpse and fly the castle to safety. Yes, if you try to do it beforehand, there's a chance the castle could just fly in any direction. It is a difficult situation. He needs it to keep the castle afloat. You need it to keep it from being destroyed. I do not envy you. So, that dead man switch, when we learned of it, we learned that it was going to trigger a powerful explosion near the engine room, which is probably the spider we found. But we didn't see anything linked to it that seemed like it would be linked to a magical device like that, right? Well, it was it was above your pay grade. Right. Even. Um, so, having searched the entire duct, you did find a crazy alchemical bomb down there. There's no reason to think that that's not the bomb that's connected. But there's no, there was no, like, antenna sticking out of it that seemed like it would be connected no. to some magical device. No, yeah. Just follow the line. And yeah. It's right to his crown. <laughs> He's always getting tangled up in it. Son yeah. of a bitch! <laughs> Damn it! Like a mic wire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us more about the spirit naga and where we may find her. What is her name? Ah, Lilanitis. Lilanitis. I believe it might be Lilanitis. <laughs> I've only seen it written. Yes. <laughs> Where does she dwell? Oh, she has full run of the castle. She is one of Volstice's most trusted allies. No doubt she has already hampered you in ways that you do not know. She has eyes everywhere as well. What are her primary strengths and weaknesses? <laughs> I don't know. I just... You were imprisoned by her. How did she do it? Alakaboom, and I was imprisoned. <laughs> Alakaboom. Yes. He says seriously, looking down, <laughs> thinking. Metro exchanges a glance with Sir Will and then Baron. Alakaboom. Alakaboom. Could it be that simple? I'm, un- I'm un- unfamiliar with the power of this magic. Trigger word to term. School, different school. We're not familiar school, with perhaps, yes. Once Volsus had possession of the diadem and knew he had no further use for me, he sent that Dizelki to torture me to death. And then when I rose up and began haunting the new inhabitants, he had me sealed away by this naga. What is a Dizelki? Dizelki was the name of the creature. That you fought with the chains earlier. Oh, yeah. When you first entered the keep. Oh. I didn't know their names. I only know the sound they make. The demon. gurgle out their last breath with my arrow stuck in their throats. We hear that sound quite often. Yeah, it's nice. 
Yes, Faustus's allies come from other planes now. When first I heard that he was gathering giants, I feared for the innocent. When you told me that you had disbanded his camps and killed his most trusted generals, I saw a glimmer of hope. But the evil that I sense here, even on this floor, makes me realize there is no end to what he will do. He has allies in the abyss. Allies from dark plains. And will stop at nothing to take and take until everything is his. He can bring all he wants from the abyss. The worst of the abyss was thrown into our world and we fought it back. I fear not his demon spawn. If he's so fond of the abyss, we can certainly hasten his passage to it. I mean, that's my plan, at least. It's a good plan. He can join his allies there, locked away in misery forever. There is strength in your confidence, but be wary of your pride. I, too, was confident. Often when I walk about these halls, feeling safe, feeling that this fortress was impregnable. And now, look at me. Look at Zephyr Hall. And look at my choice of headphones. (laughs) I'd like to do a sense motive on Renfall again. Why? (laughs) Because you're telling us the same things you've told us before, and I don't know if that's an oversight or if you're trying to waste our time. I think he's just a little old. Oh, I'm sorry. And he forgets. It's rather rude. Well, he'll forget this sense motive check then. 17. Against a god. (laughs) You just think that, like, something happens to a man when he passes on and comes back as a ghost. His mind is fractured, so... And he's fixated on revenge. Yeah, fixated on revenge, and you're actually surprised you're getting as much information as you are, um, because his attention seems to be all over the place, and now he doesn't... He's not the one in the driver's seat, really, anymore. Where he appears, when he appears... uh, doesn't seem to be completely of his choosing. He's tied to remnants uh, of his past, and that's why you fear that, like, when it comes down to the fight with Volsus, will he even show up? We have a little bit of an uh, item we grabbed from the training room. So he showed up when we went to the place he was tortured. He showed up when we went to the training room and we touched the Morning Star he used, and he showed up when we activated this communications device that he used to order BL numbs and other serious matters throughout the castle. Okay. Uh, I have a question. Yes! You mentioned walking the halls of this place. Yes. And I notice, like, sometimes your footsteps and my footsteps <laughs> are running together, but then sometimes just one set of footsteps. What, what, why is that? Poetry. <laughs> Simply put. Right. Well, that answers that. <laughs> Thanks, you. Pure poetry. <laughs> I have a question. Is it stupid, too? <laughs> no. It's very serious. Proceed. The, these creatures, Volstice is called, are all from the abyss. 
already from the shadow plane. I sense planar involvement from all planes. Possibly shadow. But I am not sure. God bless you to whoever sneezed. <laughs> that, that, that was, thank you. I appreciate it. And Gozer's name, we pray. You sneeze like an infant. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine all the small folk are like infants to someone as mighty as you, Renfall, so I'll, I'll take that as a yeah, normal observation. <laughs> One more question. Yes! How was dinner the other night? Yes, the buffet. Dinner. Did you did you make it in time for the special? Yes. Yes. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> Dinner. It was lovely. I had the prime rib, as expected. <laughs> and the rice pilaf <laughs> was divine. But as the waiter asked me what my second side was, I was paralyzed by choices. In the end, I went with cottage cheese. <laughs> no. We all shudder. Yeah. No. What no. happened, Renfall? Oh, man. I put Why? a hand on his shoulder. Who does that? What evil hath befallen you in that moment? I don't know if it was the curdled cheese or the rare steak. But I had a morning the next day I wouldn't even wish on Volstead. <laughs> Cloud giant ghost diarrhea. <laughs> the likes of which you've never seen. If only I had taken your counsel on the second side. <laughs> But know this, <laughs> adventurers. <laughs> Take this as a lesson going forward. Do not be paralyzed by choice. Heed my warnings. Do not rush headlong into cottage cheese choices such as I did. You'd be better off eschewing the second side. Do you understand this metaphor? Yes, yes. Cottage cheese. <laughs> this parable is confusing, but I sense deep truth in it. Yes. Well, I'm glad we had this time yet again. They are becoming more frequent, these visits. That gives me hope. That gives me hope that when the final battle takes place, I will be there with you. However, before I go, I must tell you, I sense another presence. One that I know not. If it is friend or foe, their desires seem to pervade time itself. But I feel them here. Perhaps another ally or an even greater foe. Good luck, my friends. 
Sir Will turns to Baron, <laughs> just like, It's Brenda. Yes. He's here. He seems to find a way through every obstacle, through time itself, as Renfall said, and finds a way to make everything more difficult than it ever need be. And if we are to confront him again, I fear both his might and whatever pernicious riddles he throws in front of me, he finds a way to twist my mind in odd ways. I leave every encounter with him more confused than the last. Not sure of what to do next. I'm still not confident by clearing out this castle right now. We're not just playing right into his damn hand. Little has changed since I first met him. Yes. As Dr. Forsyth, he was equally confusing. He draws you in. He seems rather kind. Seems an ally. But no one can know his real plan. All I know is that it must be wrapped up in something so deeply selfish. For what he did to Della. He must not be allowed to survive, Sheriff. No. He mustn't. But I hope that his quarrel lies with us and not the rest of the people of the world as we know Volstice's is. And we, we must not allow this to distract us from our goal. For Brander's plan has been in action since before any of this started. The orcs descending upon Trunau, us headed to Red Lake Fort. Skier guard. It's all all been a sick little game. Can't play into it. We just have to do what we know best, which is kill them all. Yes. I wish it wasn't so brutal. I wish it wasn't. They've left us no choice. You're right. There was a time they could have chose a different path. But they left that path long ago. I just... I, I, f- I fear sometimes I'm turning into what I was fighting against. But I'm heartened by the fact there aren't innocent families here, aren't mothers and children and schools and places of worship here. There's just warriors. But if we ever find any semblance of a civilization or anything good in this castle, we must make sure that we preserve it and protect it as much as we can, even if they are giants or some other awful thing. Do you hear me? We can't become monsters like them, Will. We can't. Sir Will comes over, puts a hand on his shoulder. I am heartened to hear you say that, Sheriff. That is why we will win. And he puts a big smile on his face through his greasy and sort of gross, unwashed beard. (laughs) (laughs) It is the thinnest line that separates good from evil. And it is upon the precipice of power that both Bolstice and we stand. It is the direction we choose to go from that point that determines our worth. Come. And remember, Sheriff, 
And again, he's just smiling. We are not alone. It is not only us. Torag is on our side. Iomade. Saren Ray. Shaylin. The entire world of small folk is on our side. And should we fall, they will rise. Perhaps we only weaken them. By their we reliance will, on us. But they, we will do our part. But in the end, he will be defeated. <laughs> Nestor's just kind of laughing throughout all this. You'd yes, Nestor? Oh, no, please. I mean, if you say... Uh, say you can't defeat them if you become monsters you're so worried about becoming the monster you fight it's like you know take a bit of advice from me it doesn't matter it doesn't matter I just want to make certain that your little uh, moral qualms don't cause you to hesitate in a moment where it might cost me my chance to get my revenge. Right? You do not have to fear that, Nestor. My duty here is very clear. There is no more hesitating. They've destroyed my home. They've destroyed my family. They have been so taken in by the poison of evil that there is no bringing them back. And I am under no delusions that that is the case. You have no need to worry about where my lance will find itself buried, whether I live or die. There. That's what I want to hear. You stay in that place. Here. It will be fine. you want me right here? No, right there, yeah. All right. Figuratively, not literally. Don't in, stay in there. In terms of mood. No, I want you to be mobile. Yeah, mood. Yeah, definitely. Understood. I want you to remember. I remember all the ways that they hurt you, all the ways that they humiliated you, all the ways that they hurt you, Baron, or what they did to your daughter. I want you to remember all of that in the moments to come. I don't want to see a hint of pity or empathy for these things they all deserve death and oblivion and we are here to make sure they get it and that's it you can worry about all your esoteric principles in the aftermath if you want just make sure they die Metra you were there at Highbury you saw it with your own eyes it's true power of Ogathoa, Branda, the harnessing of evil in a way that destroys an entire people must not be allowed to happen again. Don't you agree? It must be stopped. And this Brander, what he's done to my daughter is unforgivable. But even more so as the callousness he, the whims of a way he thinks he can toy with the world around him. He must be stopped as well. It is so utterly, painfully selfish that I 
and he like shakes himself off a little bit. It is very difficult for me to maintain composure when thinking about that. The lives that he has toyed with, the lives that he has broken for his own immortality. It is unforgivable. Volsus's dominion, his motives, that of power, that of dominance, easy to understand. It is something that has plagued even the most noble knights, warriors, and kings. But was Drives Brandeff scares me much more. Which is why I believe Renfall said he is in even more powerful danger. He knows it. I have, t- I have stepped outside of time. I know what it is like to live longer than you should. Perhaps Brander does not yet know the power he taps into. Perhaps that will be his downfall. We must move forward. We have much to accomplish. Yes, they know we are here. So, let us stand toe-to-toe with them and close one eye at a time all the way to the top. Yes. But wait, this spirit naga, what do you know of them? Uh, These creatures. Is that a knowledge planes, Troy? Knowledge arcana? Uh, Arcana, I think. I think it's arcana. Nobility? (laughs) <laughs> Depends on <laughs> on their rank. Uh, dungeoneering. I know nothing of the spirit naga. I have a bit of a dabbling in uh, this field of study, but probably not. I'll try. Aberrant creatures. Natural twenty. Oh, oh my goodness! For a twenty-five, so uh, okay. never mind. Uh, <laughs> I rescind my former. It's still excitement. good. It's no, it's still great. Very it's great. good. Uh, spirit Nagas are the witches of the Naga world. They are uh, sometimes uh, despised even by their own kind for the dark powers that they tap into. So they are flesh and blood, but they draw from like the spirit world for their powers. That's why they're called Spirit Naga. Uh, yeah, they're they're horrible to look at. Um, they look like you know the body of a snake and and with this greasy, gross uh, face. Um, so just like Sir Will <laughs> They believe themselves to be inheritors Of some mysterious dark power And they commune with They're obsessed with death and uh, desolation And so the power that they absorb Yeah, it comes from these spirits from beyond death The spirits that were tortured They use, they feed off of that uh, negative death energy So if Volsus has uh, one at his side. It's it's bad business. And, you know, you've got your classic spirit Nagas, but there's no reason to think he doesn't have some, like, super high-powered one mm-hmm. as well. I so, wonder, this is like a lore thing, but I wonder if Nagas have any evolutionary relationship to the serpent folk that dominated Galarian before the rise of Aslan's. I don't know if there's any relationship at all, but that's interesting. An alliance to bring themselves back to power type of thing. 
Uh, yeah, maybe. Like this one line here uh, says, "When gar- where guardian nagas favor places of innate sanctity, spirit nagas seek out places of fundamental corruption, mm-hmm. sites they believe to be imbued with dark magics, the crypts of long dead tyrants." The death places of great heroes uh, and the ruins of nefarious keeps. They all uh, attract these wretched serpents. They're Sith. Mmm. Hissing Sith. Can't wait to face that. Mm. That negative death energy they feed on, and if my roll's not good enough um, to know this, that's fine. But just curious, like, thinking about all the death energy we're giving off by killing people throughout this castle are we just like creating yeah, a fueling f- it yeah making it more powerful by doing that yeah whether it's giving her like uh, mechanical powers or not you're not sure but I'm sure it is very attractive to her it smells like a being near a bread factory or something mm. <laughs> okay shall we press on the room to the east yeah room to the east yes. come Lexington he remounts Lexington. What do you think about all this, boy? Lexington pees on the floor. <laughs> My thoughts exactly. <laughs> you pop open the door and you see a small, ten-foot-wide uh, corridor that uh, L shapes, reverse L shapes to the north. How oh, weird! Uh, we'll move forward doing a perception check as we go. That is going to be a 39. Okay, you don't hear. I got 39 too. Whoa, what is going on? You don't hear, see, or smell anything. Okay, it was fun though because we rolled the same number. That again, yeah. Um, Baron moved to where the L um snakes around. Appropriate for Naga people. (gasps) Stairs, winding staircase, more stairs going up. Turn back! <laughs> Lexington. Flee! Lexington, you never face these. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go around and do the, uh, the double doors this Yeah, south? let's do the double doors. Yeah, let's do double doors south. Wait, we haven't walked actually walked out into this area, right? Besides the ethereal jaunt? No. Yeah, never have. I think we were... Careful, careful. I think the plan was to... Oh, you, do you want to do the ones to the southeast or the... Okay, great. Sorry. Well, well, I think we're planning to go out those Diane Wee stores last. Got it. Okay, and the ones leading out, the sort of the main entrance that was barred from yeah. the inside. The westernmost doors. The westernmost doors. Those will be for our dessert. We'll have that instead of the cottage cheese. Yeah. But instead, you go to the sort of middle here, uh, the, the sunset room. And, uh, I don't remember all right. going older. <laughs> uh, <laughs> set a double doors leading uh, to the east and then to the south. And so the southern ones are the ones that are attracting you. What do you do? Mercy at the door. Traps. Crack guy. Uh, 30 for traps. 38 to listen at the door. Natural 20, 44 at the door listening. Okay. You listen. I don't hear anything. I've been eight. All right. Nestor looked it over. Metro and I listened. Baron uses his whispering gloves to open the door stealthily. 32. 32. You stealthily open the door. And you see... A... Long, 
chamber that thins out towards the back, ending in another set of double doors. Perception in the room. 30. 26. First thing both of you see is just bright light, unlike any light you've seen shining from the windows thus far. Um, it's a almost unnatural light when you open up the doors to this room. They blast you in the face and almost blind you for a second. Um, the ceiling is sort of barrel vaulted, and there are giant-sized potted plants and flowers and vases sitting along the shelves to both the east and the west. Looks like a giant greenhouse. But oh. you've looked out the arrow loops just five minutes ago. It's not that kind of weather out. There's no sun blaring in through the arrow loops. It doesn't make sense. It's very, very bright. And in fact, those doors on the opposite side of the room are open. <gasps> And outside the doors, you see the hanging gardens. Oh, whoa. Ooh. A large Holy platform shit. that just is open to the air. Wow. But even out there, it's not as bright as it is in here. It's a grow room. The grow lights. Yeah, hydro- hydroponics. Is there any weed in there? <laughs> Guys, get any weed. <laughs> want to go check out the hang- hanging gardens? Yeah, I want to... Yeah, I was under the uh, idea that we'd go to the uh, east and then to the south and then um, end up there that way. I didn't think we'd end up there this way. This is interesting. Okay. Let's do it. Um, let's uh, let's uh, look through this room and see if we can figure out the source of the light, too, before we head out into those hanging gardens, right? Yeah, and I'll detect magic and... Mm-hmm. and I'll detect evil on the room. You don't detect any evil in the room. You do detect magic coming from the ceiling. And and now it starts to add up. There's got to be some sort of effect on the ceiling that is providing this light to the plants here. Um, it's probably no nefarious effect. Like, they, they grew plants here. Maybe food that they could eat. Yeah, it's or a maybe daylight spell. Like, just continuous daylight spell. Yeah. yeah, it's something even more powerful than that. Because it's so bright. Um What do you do? Search the room? Yep. Take 20, I guess. All right, show me where you are and what you're doing. Sir Will is not searching the room. He is just looking out at the hanging gardens. Just like in case anybody comes, you know, Mm -hmm. around the corner, he's going to be ready. All right, so you're all kind of spread out towards the back of the room, looking around. Everybody roll perception check. Uh, 40. 34. 22. Uh, 30. Looking around. Just plants. Huge plants. Too large for any of your rooms. But large enough to hide gigantic <laughs> monsters. Guy jumps out. Oh, Venus flytrap. No, uh, nothing uh, jumps out of the potted plants or behind any of the shelves or tables in the room. However, as you're standing there looking about, all of you hear a sound from outside. Sound of wind flapping Uh back and forth until suddenly through the open doors flies this creature 
that looks like an enormous lizard that is composed entirely of organic plant matter. Oh, Oh, what? It flies into the room, and as it does, it, like, shakes its huge wings, and dirt particles go everywhere, coming out of its mouth, shaking off its body. It looks like a huge plant slash dragon. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, my God. In fact, it looks like this. Oh, no. That is so cool. And it just fucking screams. And rears its head back. (laughs) Blackout. Now I want to kick it over to old DJ Splash Dazzle. Haven't heard from his hot fingers in a while. (laughs) DJ SD, can you give me some music that is, I don't know, uh, let's say Osirian in nature. Got any hot Osirian tracks? <laughs> Does this work for you? Oh, she'll do. She'll do just fine. We fade up now on a desert. In the foreground, a tent flap flutters back and forth from a heavy wind. Nearby, a campfire stands cold. In the background, a giant pyramid looms. We zoom slowly toward that pyramid until the tent and the campfire fall out of frame, and we continue zooming towards its base until we are now inside, walking down a long corridor. We hear the sound of footsteps and see torchlight casting flickering shadows on the walls. Walls that are covered from floor to ceiling in pictographs and hieroglyphs. Our perspective changes, and walking down the hallway, we see Silver Tusk with torch in hand. To his left is Galabras. And floating just above the ground to his right is Gormley. (laughs) As they walk, we see them taking in all of these images. Images of great battles, castles falling, towers collapsing. But also more familiar images. Scenes and moments relating to each of them. There's an image of Galabras lying in a cage below deck on an elfin ship. A young Gormley walking hand in hand with a young Kesson plum toward an abandoned plague house. And Silver Tusk as Lork watching a fire giant wipe out his entire Black Arrow unit. A sound in the distance begins to be heard. A faint scraping sound that draws all of your attention. So the three of you continue down the corridor until you eventually reach the end, which opens into a large square room with a sarcophagus in the middle. Several torches and sconces light up the room, and in the back is a hunched-over figure carving yet another pictograph into the wall, which is already covered with other images. The figure stops 
at your approach and slowly turns toward you. For a moment, you see the face of a young woman, a face some of you haven't seen in a long time, the face of Delanarn. What? But any, any feeling of joy is quickly erased as the figure completes its turn and you see standing before you, Brander. He looks about the room at all the images on the walls for a moment before addressing you. Long ago, my brother was in charge of maintaining this room. The one who watches over time, they called him. Pudir. Sadly, he died, and I never had the chance to say goodbye. I was in exile at the time after killing our other brother. In truth, that was an unfortunate accident, but in many ways, it set me on the path that I am now reaching the very end of. Thankfully, Pudir's children and grandchildren would pick up where he left off coming here to record those moments that they thought crucial to understanding the tapestry of time. When I returned to our circle, those who remained knew not who I was. It must have been Pudir's grandson or great-grandson. Funnily enough, I've lost track of which, but it was he who brought me into this very chamber long ago. And I took his life essence from him right where you stand. You must understand I never wanted to kill anyone, and when I could avoid it, I always did. But those lives that were taken were unfortunate casualties of a greater purpose. For I needed their power. I needed all the power I took. And soon I will have everything I need to end this once and for all. Call it my curse, if you will. But you know all about curses, don't you, Locke? He locks eyes with Silvermane from across the room. And then he cocks his head ever so slightly. Are you still in there? You all should know that I had no intention of ending Fazadir or Pudir's line. It was you and your friends who did that. For the Pudir who perished here in this chamber had a son, a son that grew up fearing he would face the same fate of his father. So he took his family and moved far away from here. And though that young man died, he too left behind a son. And you, Lork, killed that son in the streets of Trunau, thus sealing your fate. So that poor girl, Firaza, left here in search of a ghost and died fighting a battle she had nothing to do with. But I am not here to judge. We've all made sacrifices and done terrible things to get where we are right now in this moment, haven't we? 
he turns back to the wall and etches another line in what looks like a, a battle between an undead woman riding a headless horseman creature and four very familiar-looking fighters all surrounded by a sea of giants. Still has his back to you when he talks. It's like, I don't know if it was guilt or an homage to my brother, but all these years I still come back and record moments like these. It's been vital to understanding my true purpose, and I've learned so much in doing so. He turns back to you. That's how I learned about all of you, and the parts you would play in helping me to achieve my ultimate goal. Thankfully, this will all be over soon. But... Here we are again. Each of you has traveled far and gone to great lengths to get here, so I suppose you feel as if I owe you some answers. Well then, let's talk. And you know what? We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> I need to prepare for this conversation. I need a nap. I'm so glad I'm a mute. <laughs> two weeks, we'll be back with episode 300, you sons of guns. It is complete. The Glass Cannon Podcast is a Glass Cannon Network production and is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Giant Slayer is copyright 2015. Giant Slayer and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.